0: Sorry we're closed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Sorry we're closed. Episode 38, I believe. I always do this, Mike. I always I always start the podcast and say and I never look at what episode I'm on. I just say it and I'm but I always announce the number for whatever reason. I have I I'll tell you I've been 100% correct in all my guesses, but still i feel like i should just look it up one time instead of having to guess every every time it ends in a question mark it's like i'm ron burgundy Uh, every time it ends in a question mark the number of podcasts i'm on but listen it's great to have you um for those of you don't know me and you have became friends on twitter i think right we are one of those
1: uh well first of all you should tell them who i am My name is hello everybody i'm guns from the gun show (laughs) my name is guns guns with a z it's my last name pretty much the best goddamn last name ever out there do a Seriously? lot of broadcasting the... yeah no no it's true and then you meet me and i am the last person that should have the name guns and i have no tattoos so it's pretty funny when that happens and people are like dude you're guns that like we hear about yeah. yeah complete opposite but um we did meet kind of like on Twitter, obviously, we both have mutual friends and, like, Barstool and big supporters of them, et cetera. And, uh, like, I had known about you, et cetera. I covered sports for ABC radio here in New York City for years. So I did Yankees, Mets, et cetera. So, like, I know, I know sports. But, um, <laughs> but uh, we kind of just started, like, liking each other's tweets. And I was like, all right, well, he's not a scumbag that I know of. So I'll give mm-hmm. him a follow.
0: No, <laughs> not that you know of. Not that you know of. At least not yet. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you do. You have your own show, The Gun Show yeah um and from what i understand because I've, I've listened to a few episodes and i've actually i did some of my own research because that's what good podcast hosts do uh <laughs> i hear i hear that it's like yeah. yeah i hear i hear that you have you, you have a whole you know gamut of 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 different types of um guests on the show i saw fallout boy i saw aaron boone yeah I, i've uh
1: So this is the bottom line. So I always loved music. Um, I think music is the one thing that no matter what we're going through in life, like legit, it can get us through. So whether you're happy, it's like, all right, shit, man, let's play. Let's pump the jams. Like before we go out and we're pre-gaming, you know what I mean? To like, if you're sad or just like, she broke up with me, she broke my heart or I'm going to go and bang her. You know what I mean? There's a song for every mood out there (laughs) and everyone knows it. So I always like loved music. I was in some bands when I was younger, but the odds of making it, to be a successful banner, like one in like 300,000. Okay. And you have to find a core group of people that are willing to tore their asses off, to sleep in vans, to sleep on hardwood floors, to get paid enough money to maybe pay for the gas money to get you to your next town or city. That's like the struggle that really begins a lot, especially for um, like rock bands or pop punk bands and a lot of artists out there. So that I always wanted to do that. And unfortunately, I never got into a band that made it. So I was like, okay, how can I help out band still and I was always kind of an outgoing personality and so that's why I went to broadcasting so when I was like in high school I would take the train or have my parents drive me into New York City and I would do like much music and fuse television and just kind of like just learn all the ropes about it being the audience and all that uh, about how live shows go and how you interview and all that and I went to Ford University, and then by second semester, I was on the air on Fuse Television and on ABC Radio nationally, So, as a freshman. So I'm literally living out my dream of being on air and talking about music, entertainment, and sports, and it's awesome. I freaking love it, bro. <laughs>
0: Listen, I mean, that is, I mean, it's first off, the, the band industry. And I don't know a whole lot about the music industry and how to make it and all that stuff, but it seems fairly similar to what you have to do as a young amateur baseball player, because in, in, in the summers during college, you, you give up your summers because you're going out to play summer league, you know, summer ball, wherever it was. I was in Newport, uh, Rhode Island. And then I was in uh, the Cape Cod league in Chatham. So you don't have your summers as a, as a college kid, which are a lot of fun. And then, you know, you're doing the bus trips in, in the minor league baseball game paid 1100 bucks. Uh, and the vast majority of those minor league baseball players don't sign for a whole lot of money. So you know they're working winter jobs to stay afloat and be able to pay their own bills. Um, People don't understand those those types of things. And then all like we always talk about, it's once they hit, once the band hits, or well not so much the baseball player because people have know the minor league system, but once that band hits, they're an overnight success. No one right. ever talks Not about the realizing ears.
1: the struggle and the, you know, dollar menu that you had to eat. And just <laughs> to, to, you know, the dollar menu Wendy's. Like, yeah, that's how people survive by it. But you're exactly right because it is – there's so much that goes into it for both. Both the, uh, you know, coming up as an athlete as well as coming up as a band because there's things that you can control and there's a lot of things that you can't. So, listen, you're going to play – Uh, and you're going to practice and you're going to do your guitar scales and you're going to work on your vocal harmonies and you're going to take care of your voice and you're going to, you know, bust your ass and stay up for three nights in a row at a studio to make sure that you produce the best music possible. If you're an athlete, you're going to do as much personal stuff as you can. You're going to hit the weight room. You're going to throw up even, you know what I mean? Like your body, you're going to put your body through hell, but there's still that underlining factor that a lot of it has to do with timing Yep. A lot of it has to do with luck. And so many times a band might have a great sound, but it only becomes popular like two years later. And somebody else came up and did it practically stole your sound. So you never get the credit. You're like, shit, we were doing this a couple of years ago, but timing, man, it's all about timing and those opportunities, like fucking that, uh, the Yodel, the Yodel kid, that Mason kid <laughs> or whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Like what the hell is that? And then he got signed by Atlantic records for a multimillion dollar contract. Now, like that's wild, or like call me maybe by calling Ray Jepsen. Like, oh, I what forgot the about that song. You know, like it just happens, bro. It's
0: wild. What's that festival out in out in California? uh Coachella. Coachella, Coachella. wasn't yeah. wasn't the yodel guy in the Walmart, and then like two weeks later he was playing at Coachella. Yeah, that's, yeah. that is mind blowing. <laughs> like life changed, bro. Completely
1: changed, but it's also just like listen, man. Like it's like. You know, it's Aaron Boone goes down, not like A-Rod needed the opportunity, but Aaron Boone goes down, boom, now we have A-Rod. Or somebody, you know, like you know, Luke Voigt being able to have opportunities for the Yankees or just different players. That's why you always have to be ready to go in case your number gets called. Alex Smith was the third quarterback for the Reds, uh, Washington football team this year. Now he's starting again. Yep. Because the other, you know, like you just have to be ready to go. You can't sulk, you can't mope, you can't feel sorry for yourself because you got to go, bro. Because if you're not, somebody else will be.
0: Always, always. And it reminds me a lot of AAA baseball. So, you know, you get through the minor leagues, the A ball, the single, the double A, the, all those. You know, you're still, you know, you're a young guy or you're, you're excited. You have a few salty people there who never's never, never going to make it. But for the most part, it's exciting, it's energetic, all that stuff. Then you get the AAA. And AAA is that mix of, uh, but people like where I was in the beginning of my career, where you know I'm the young guy fresh into the AAA, like I'm one step away from making my dream come true. And, you know all these all these crazy things happening, and then you have the middle of the road guys that are, have been there for a little while and they've been up, they've been up and down. Then you have the old guys, disgruntled, disgruntled oh, the bastards. Are <laughs> that they didn't, they, they, they they've been doing AAA for the last seven years have been up and down. I'm better than those guys up there. Blah 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 yeah. blah, blah 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 blah. Never and, a positive thing to say. Just oh, always why, always why they got screwed and why they're better than somebody else who made it. <laughs> always is without a doubt. De- or oh, the the one you hear all the time. And I was I was guilty of this myself. Is especially with the Red Sox when you had the Red Sox teams that were good, winning World Series, like and then they're like a premier team in the league. You're like, oh, if I was. If I was over by the Marlins, I would I would have had five years in the big leagues by now. Like, I would have done this. I would have done that. Where in reality, listen, if you would have had five years in the big leagues, if you were the Mar- even Marlins, the Marlins would have traded for your ass because you're sitting in AAA, But you're not. You're not. Right. It's not yeah. the way the world works. Uh, yeah. And there's always you have your cases of people getting screwed every now and again where they're just kind of being held there because whether or not the GM really likes them and doesn't want to give them up because he's it's you know it's like a safety net for him It's and just po- in case someone gets hurt.
1: Politics, financials, uh, maybe you're just a uh, dirt bag that nobody wants you <laughs> on the team, unless you're really, really, really good, and then they'll just deal with it. You know what I mean? And kind of yeah. like put you in the. Like, I remember when I went to. Um, um, I'm a diehard Yankee fan, all okay. right. So,
0: go Red you, Sox, yeah, yeah
1: <laughs> exactly. And one of my first opportunities at Fordham University was I was. Um, uh, I joined WFUV, the radio station, and um, I had some broadcast experience on me because I was doing high school stuff and, and on-air experience, and I was a go-getter. I was a hustler and grinder for sure, definitely, like, worked my ass to get everywhere. Like, my parents didn't give me anything, and I covered the New York Yankees spring training, and I walk in that first day down in Tampa just by myself. You know, I have the credential. I have no yeah. idea what I'm doing, and I walk in. And I was kind of, the only advice I got was like, kind of just like sit back like those first couple of days, like see what the hell's going on before you do anything. So I did like, you know, I learned about questions and what to do. So I remember in the corner was Bernie Williams and he had his guitar and his amplifier. So I remember going to Bernie because I love music. And I just t- asked him about music, not even about baseball. And he loved me because he was like, thank God nobody's bothering me about sports. Here's this young 18, 19 year old kid. So we talked music. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, that broke my thing. I saw Mattingly walk by. Mattingly was my hero. I fought people for number 23 in all the sports I played for growing up. You know what I mean? Like, you had to be 23. I would literally get in fights to get (laughs) 23 in Little League. And he, I was like, excuse me, Mr. Mattingly, do you have a couple questions? And he talked to me. So I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I just interviewed my idol. (laughs) But then there's Tony Womack. And Tony Womack, he was on the Yankees just for one year. And this is probably why. This is when the Yankees had Tony Womack and Kenny Lofton. Kenny. And Kenny Lofton, I was told, don't even don't go up to him. And I was like, all right, fine. Like, is he brutal? Yeah, apparently he was just a dick. So, but really? like, so I just never went up to him. That's at least what I was told by the other person. So I go to Tony Womack because I, I think I was I was Jeter had just wrapped up in Tony's next to his locker. So I was like, all right, well I'm here anyway. Like, let me get as much press and audio as I can. And it's spring training, which is so much more laid back. So I go, excuse me, uh, Mr. Womack, do you um, uh, can I ask you a question? And he goes, he goes, I. Uh, He goes, I don't answer questions. I'm like, okay. I was like, well, do you have any expectations? And he goes, I don't get expectations. And he threw his towel at me. (laughs) and you're talking about a traumatizing experience as a 19 year old like shaking my hand like you know what I mean like my holding my recorder throws his towel at me Tony Womack like dude Tony Womack could walk down the street right now and nobody would know who the F he is like I don't care about Tony Womack I'm so much better than you Tony Womack not as rich as you probably but (laughs) still like that's that is the ultimate like dude why be a dick why be disgruntled if you don't have to be especially spring training things are laid back like Oh, throw a towel at the kid? What the fuck is that?
0: <laughs> dude, dude. I, and honestly, I, you see that more in baseball than, than than I would have liked to at the upper levels. Like, one of the other big things was autographs. You know, guys would not sign autographs. Some guys wouldn't sign them at all. Some of them only for kids. Some of them, you know, not, if you come to me outside the stadium, nope, gotta buy a ticket to the game. You know, like all these, and I was like, listen, Weren't you guys kids at one point that, like, covered their notebooks practicing their autograph, and now someone might, might sell the card, and now you're, oh, no, no, I would, never, I would never let someone sell make money off me. Like, what are you doing? Like, you've been waiting for this. Why are you all some bitter? Why are you this old, you know, veteran that hates signing autographs out of nowhere? It just always blew my mind. And the same thing reported. There are some reporters, I will say, and I'm sure specifically in New York and uh, in Boston, That are assholes. I remember I had one of sitting in Boston uh, in the clubhouse and my locker buddy was Craig Kimbrell and Craig, you know, phenomenal closer, you know, one of the best to ever do it. Right. He's struggling now, but at the time he was thought of being one of the best to ever do it. And some guy comes up to him. It's a Boston media. I don't know how bad New York was, but I, cause I never got interviewed there, but in Boston, like some of these guys, they like, they try to get you. It uh, they, is. Yeah. They try they got to get
1: your questions. Yes, yep. there And and there, and, and there's a fine line, like as being like, you know, I'm on air, I do cable news. Yep. I, and you know, I'm, I'm a reporter, et cetera, but there's a fine line between like, it's almost like, it's almost like that person, like in high school that got off by seeing other people get in trouble, whether it's yes. a tattletale or somebody who's just like, oh, well, well he didn't do his homework. Let me kind of like rat him out. Like that mentality definitely happens in the media for sure. Because they, I mean, look at like a Skip Bayless, you know what I mean? Like the holier than thou or whatnot, you are purposely being a dick. Some of it is a stick. Other, like like Skip, although Skip has gone beyond just being a shtick, like he's just the worst. Yeah. But um, others are just like they need to constantly reassure themselves that they are better or why they, they want to demean the player so it makes them seem superior for why you have to listen to them as if they know it all.
0: Yes, and this guy walks up to Craig, and we were on a little bit of losing streak at the time, and he walks up to Craig goes, you know, the, the, you guys are, let's say, 2-7 and seven in your last nine, blah, 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 blah. How much do you blame John Farrell for this? And then, what is Craig supposed to say to that? Like, right. oh yeah, no, I blame the whole, the whole thing is on him. I can't believe he would do the moves he's doing. Like, oh, like, what are you expecting from him? Craig was just, like, looked at the guy and was like, you kidding me? I don't blame him at all. He's not playing. He's, I mean, he's making moves, but he's not playing the game. Like, we are losing the game. Right. Totally, and was, yeah. And I, I was like, there, I was sitting there I was like, I asked him, I was like, Craig, do people ask you these types of questions all the time? It's like, in Boston, it's never ending. Like these guys, they come up to you and they try to get you and you know, they try to say things, especially when you're, you're like, he was, he was, he's a big builder. He, like, he has his own locker and then he's got to build shelves. Craig, he always builds shelves in his damn locker. couple additions to it, a
1: couple yes. additions.
0: Yeah, always doing home improvements to his own locker. And then so he does, he's doing it, but so they, they do it at these times where you're not you're caught off guard. And he's all of a sudden, like I said, you guys like over there with a hammer. And the right. guy, like, rolls up. Hey, what are you, you – Yeah, you playing John Farrell for all these losses? <laughs> what? It's like, whoa, whoa, what's happening? Yeah, yeah. Where would you
1: it's come like, from? Cal- it's like, yeah, calm your ass down. Let me do ma- – and, and and there needs to come to a mutual – there needs to be mutual respect. But also, like, as a player, you can't really comp- – you, you can't complain openly because then the media is – and those people are just going to attack you more yep. and, and more and just get on you more. So, it, for those that, you know, it it, it isn't easy – and, and that's why I truly believe that sometimes athletes should go through, especially with social media, like social media training or, oh, or whatnot. Like if you go for a job now, like you have to go through all these like training courses on how to use social media. Like, I think the same thing should go with athletes who might not who, who have just been so focused on their sport throughout their whole entire lives that like maybe like other parts they're not as aware of. So I feel like that's why you need to do it because otherwise, man, I give you guys credits because, I would snap, bro. If somebody kept fucking antagonizing me, I would go off. Like, just like the trolls on Twitter, like, of course you ignore them, but we all had that moment where we were just like, fuck
0: you. you. Dude. Go <laughs> yes. Fuck yourself.
1: And but to do that as an athlete, knowing that the minute you do something wrong, you are on that back page, or you're just gonna get like blacklisted or blackballed or, or like and, and then they know that they have you. That's tough, man, because that takes inner strength and in all that. All the millions you can have, but that one time you f up, or maybe do something at a club and somebody's fucking like shut, like goes at you, and then you respond, you're the one that's going to get in trouble, and yep. then like, you end up on TMZ. You
0: the know? perfect example of this is Blake Snell. When the the negotiations were going on with the players' association and the owners before the season started this year, he was playing video games and he was streaming, and he went off about how the owners aren't paying them and they're wanting to take pay to, pay cuts. First off, if anyone has any clue on PR or anything of that matter, you know the owners absolutely killed the players in the PR world in this way. They shut their mouths. They didn't come out the media and talk, and they just let the lawyers handle it. The players, on the other hand, they just all of a sudden now, Blake Snell's on, on, on Twitch or whatever it is, and he's, he's talking about it. And now it looks like these millionaires are pissed. That's the headline now. It's no longer about the owner's name or who are billionaires. They,
1: turn, now, they flipped the script.
0: Now they, they demonize it. the players it just was like that. Brilliant. And if you watched it, like they, 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 I, you know, I, I didn't get on Trevor about this because I don't know Trevor that well, but they, they, they went and leaked a little bit to Trevor Ploof right in the beginning saying maybe we can get July 4th baseball. And they leaked this, this story through him and through a few other media outlets. And then all of a sudden, knowing that the proposal they're about to give to the players, they are damn well turned that thing down. There's no way they're taking right. this. But by leaking that early, it now pins the players in between the fans and getting baseball. And it was, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliantly well done. And the fans bought it hook, line, sinker. And the players went, went, did exactly what the ownership wanted to and came out publicly and started talking when they should just shut their mouths, go, let the lawyers handle things behind closed doors, and, and, and go that way. But all of a sudden, again, you get caught off guard by a question on Twitch. Yeah. And boom. They got you. You're in the moment. You're in the zone. You're just chilling, you
1: know, playing Call of Duty or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. And so I just like, oh no, fuck the owners, blah, blah, blah. But you're exactly right because that played out, that whole entire argument and uh, fight played out in the media and on social media. And it was, we owners wanted to demonize the players because listen, they threw out that bullshit that one of those initial proposals in the beginning, actually multiple ones were just complete bullshit that they knew the players were never going to accept. Okay. But they turned the script because the owners weren't really speaking that much, you know, besides like Buster only being like, oh, well, I talked to, you know, a couple owners, but never says who he spoke to. Instead, it was the players. So they demonized, they were trying to demonize the players in front of all the fans or the public persona be like all oh, these millionaires don't even want to go out and try and play baseball to get some sort of normalcy in the pandemic yeah. they knew exactly what the, they were doing those owners and they also have
0: the best lawyers because they're all like billionaires you know what i mean uh, like- they're brilliant people they yeah. are brilliant people and they they made they made the players their little bitches throughout this entire process and they showed them exactly how well schooled they are in this and how little schooled the players are in this yeah. And they and they beat him. And listen, we're yeah. about to go to a you know, not to get too much into baseball here, but but they're about to go into a CBA um, discussions this this winter, and it's it's going to happen again. The, yeah. it, the owners would be stupid at this point not to get it back into the media because they won so much in the in the summer they'll they'll they have to use that as one of their and what, and what leverage do the players have but yeah i mean that it all comes down to who's going to have
1: more leverage the players ended up and i'm glad they did i'm, I'm stoked that we had baseball this year i don't Thanks. care if it's a shortened season whatever um it sucked that my yankees blew it because we well, god damn we were bad in yeah. the end uh <laughs> god, that was frustrating but the red were bad
0: the entire way so yeah
1: but you guys suck anyway so and i, <laughs> and, I and i and i hate you <laughs> but I, I, it, it should be interesting because the CBA is going to be big, man, and it's all going to come down to negotiating. And I have no idea what sports are going to look like next year. We just found out that, that Mardi Gras is already canceled. New Orleans already canceled Mardi Gras for next year. A lot of works, uh, universal records for their tens of thousands of employees all across the country said June 1st. They're not going back to uh serious XM, We got something. I think it's either March or May 1st. So like, like it's God knows what we're going to look like with sports next year, but the CBA is going to be interesting, man. Cause it's going to have to do with dollars. A lot of oh, dollars yeah. on the line.
0: A lot of dollars on the line. And I did and I think since, I forget the gentleman's name, but someone uh, one of the head attorneys for the major league baseball players association had passed away years and years ago. And ever since then, this is what, at least what the word was amongst players when I was playing was ever since that major league baseball players association was known as the best union in, in sports. Like those guys got whatever. They, I mean, it's the only sport with all guaranteed money. Like They got anything. They were great at it. But apparently this guy was the guy that was great at it. He had passed away, unfortunately. And then they have Tony Clark and they have their, their set of lawyers now that take over. it. And ever since then, man, they you know, I go about this on Twitter all the time. But they sell the amateur players down the river to get some major league baseball players their stuff. Because that's who ultimately votes to keep them what their jobs are. They don't care about the amateurs, you know. They, yeah. The draft now being five rounds, and then you you can't sign anyone after the you know after the fifth round in the other pool. You can't sign him for more than like five grand. Like, how many guys did I see in the 10th, 15th, even twentieth round signing for six figures because they could they leverage themselves well. Like, and now you're losing all that. They don't want any part of it. Yep. It's Thanks. it's a it's a crazy. It's definitely,
1: world. yeah, it's something crazy in inside baseball for sure. I have a question for you though, man, because I was talking about like touring and i've gone on tours and like i do like the vans i was doing the vans warp tour growing up and like was broadcasting on that and touring mm-hmm. with bands but like you know like we would go on the tour bus and and go from city city every day you wake up in a different city so it was kind yeah. of like almost like you guys would play like your three game stretch or whatever the hell yeah. it might be in triple a but um what uh did you, things i mean you guys you guys were definitely in some bc rate cities especially triple a i mean you're talking like BC random as ass. well so like did some fun go on? Like, I mean, I mean, did you guys have to hit up like, whether it's random ass, like the worst of the worst strip club, like, yeah, I mean, dude, like, yeah, I mean, there's like, you had to occupy yourself somehow, whether it was fun or just like shooting guns or whatever the hell might be. Right. Like, dude, you guys were in some really back town.
0: Oh, some of the, especially at the lower levels, you, you're in some cities that, you know, are, you know, the perfect example is Lowell, Massachusetts. It's one, it's the short season ball for, um, for the Red Sox. And I like Lowell, I like playing there, but it's it's a town that's kind of, it used to be all these textile factories, right? It's all these textile mills that used to be really a booming type city, kind of like Buffalo was. And, and when they, they were a booming city. And then they kind of started dying because things kind of moved elsewhere, right? right? And I remember going to the bar and Lowell Massachusetts, I'm 21 at the time, just got drafted. I go to the bar because you don't really have much time in baseball, unfortunately, because you get to the field around one. 12 depending on how early you want to get there and then you're there until about 11 o'clock at night and then you you just come usually a lot of times you go you go to bed sometimes you have early lift the next day what what have you so we don't have a whole lot of time to do things which makes the season extra long i promise you it it makes it extra long but i remember going to this bar having this one time when i was able to go out and i went to this i don't remember what it was called but there were fights I mean, listen, you know me. I own Green Rock. There are, there, yeah. That place is no stranger to good a a fights. Fight. Yeah, yeah. Guns and I, battles. Yeah. I have never seen to this day the fights that I saw at this bar. And you're yes. talking like you're talking people getting jumped outside. A dude getting jumped by like five dudes. You're talking. There was, one, <laughs> there was one. There was one. There was two couples, boy and girl. Both, both two couples. The dudes. The dudes got into it. The one girl hits the one the guy that his, her guy's fighting with. And then the fucking other girl comes with a flying headbutt. Flying oh, the headbutt move. Headbutt. Oh.
1: No, there, disregard like, for oh, all humanity when you saw a headbutting. Like was
0: that is an there. insane move to see live. Cause you're just like, what is happening? The head, the flying head- <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I grew up in Colts, <laughs> New Jersey. Is, it is yeah. a nice town. You <laughs> know, very I went yeah. to a private school. Then I went to mommy's university, very nice college. Jersey, yeah, Jersey you know, rep, yeah. You know, like listen, And then you I, go to this, and you see something straight
1: out of a movie where people are just like punting each other and just yeah. straight up going nuts. Dude, I, I would, love that though, man. Like dude, I, I was, lost my mind. I lost that, that like my, bar fight. That's like yeah. the legit bar fight. Is something that you really, truly, truly never see. But when you have like that type of
0: experience, you're just like, holy shit, this dude, is wild, man. wild. Because a Green Rock you have you typically get like a punch thrown and then the bouncers are there because first off green rock is very tight um and i employ many bouncers to avoid those things because typically in those scenarios you know i'm sure my listeners know this by now because i've talked a little bit about it but um they always sue the bar they very rarely sue the person they fought with because they assume the business has more money to go after and then they'll claim that we overserve. they'll claim that You know, you know, we we didn't protect them well enough because they were the assholes. But you know, what what I was going to like, right? Yeah, yeah, bodyguard for everybody. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. they do all of these things. So you know, I I employ a lot of the bouncers to break things up before someone gets bodily harmed because you always need a medical report in order to sue us. So. Uh, or at least have a case to sue us. People sue us with that one all the time. But uh, so it, 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 it's a crazy world. You don't want to own Green Rock. But uh, it's, it's, it was so strange to see. And again, I didn't own Green Rock at the time when I was in Lowell, but I was like, are these what bars are like? Like, like what is going on? Like a flying headbutt? Where am I? (laughs) That was a special move. You know what I mean? Like you're playing Xbox, that's your special move, the flying headbutt. I never, never went back to the bar again. I haven't yet. I I went back to Lowell, I think once when I was still playing, uh, but I haven't been, other than that, God, I would never go out there again uh yeah. that was
1: enough what it what
0: One it and done one and done i, I, I was Dude, done. it's so funny
1: how crazy this fucking country is like obviously not like on the political side or whatnot but just like there's so many just towns and cities shit that we don't even know about we both grew oh. up in jersey and new york city east coast whatever yeah. whatnot and you've been able to travel obviously across but like there's just so much more
0: out there like so much <laughs> more <laughs> <laughs> so much people, people are nuts, bro. Oh it's my so god. People are I have a question for you though. This is what something I've been curious about. I'm not a music industry guy. I absolutely love music. Okay. Uh, for those of you that don't know and you don't know this with guns, but uh, I'm a big Sinatra guy, big Billy Joel. Like that's the stuff I like. I Got like it. obviously like I'm into house. Like I like I like some EDM music, especially in mean, Green Rock. It's you know, it's good at cool vibe, all that good stuff. I like I like a little bit of everything. But I right. listen mostly to like to Joel and Sinatra and, and you know, Dean Martin, people like that. The new, I saw a meme the other day, right? And I think it was on TikTok or whatever. And they were, they were I don't know, it might not have been a meme. I think it was a standard TikTok. And the guy said that he felt bad for people up and coming in the music industry nowadays because he thought well, what you used to do, you, know, you used to tour, you used to go to these big things, all, that's how you made it. Now you got to hope a 15-year-old girl makes a dance to one of your new songs. Right. <laughs> and sure. that's it. You know, so what? What's your thought process on I'm I'm so intrigued by that. I hate
1: it, but it's definitely the new way. And right now, you're you're starting to see that it's so superficial. So um, talk about like you used to have your one hit wonders, but even the one hit wonder, like you would hear like. Sex and Candy, or, or or whatnot, like a song, like "Lit," my own worst enemy. Like yeah. but you'd hear that for like five months on the radio until it was overplayed and played out. Mm-hmm. Now, because of Tik, especially Tik, uh, specifically, I should say TikTok, it is like. You're 30, not your 30 minutes of fame, two minutes of fame. You're down to like 30 seconds of fame (laughs) and it goes so quickly. So right now there is a battle going on from TikTok, the music industry. Now the music industry and these big labels, they just want to make money any possible way they can, especially now that they've just lost a full year of touring. And a lot of the bands and labels make their money via touring, obviously from ticket sales to meet and greets to merch. Merch is huge. I mean, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars of merch being sold every single night if you're Billie Eilish. Like, boom, like the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And on a 42 tour date, you're talking a ton of money. Yes. So they need to figure out what they're doing. So even though I think they should be, it's a double-edged sword. On one aspect, it's like, all right, cool, man. Listen, dude, I'm, I'm the one that does that TikTok song. Like, yo, know, they made a, they made a dance to it. Like, this is awesome. Like, oh, perfect. Now you get a couple of, you know, maybe like a hundred million streams on it. Cool. But are they just investing in that 20 seconds of you, are they taking the time to realize about your other music, or that this is one song on an album that you have chronologically kind of placed? The average person, especially the younger you go, just wants that quick hit, and that I think is detrimental to a lot of these artists and their careers. So it's it is definitely a double-edged sword. Listen, all right, cool, man. Yeah, I'm the one that does that song. All right, cool, but dude, you can be done within a month. Like, yeah. like you know, like it, it could be very over for you because then people don't like that song anymore and they're over it or they've already moved on or they're just like, oh, F that. So we're in the past, like you'd be like, man, that song is from like two years ago. Now it's like, yo, that song's from last month and I already hate it. <laughs> so it's definitely, but it's definitely the way that things are going because it's almost a free promotional tool if your yeah. thing gets on TikTok. So you have artists, especially those that do R&B and that do, edm whatever dance pop etc that are specifically gearing songs for that tiktok instant reaction which is smart but i think it will also be detrimental eventually as
0: well okay i'm so i'm so curious about that type of stuff yeah and, and why and like and how because i mean now i'm hearing tiktok songs at the gym like and i'm just yeah. like where do i know this song from then i um, all of a sudden i'm like oh charlie d'amelio danced to this like I'm like God. I should not have Troy Sivan on my head. I'm
1: just- <laughs> it gives these TikTok, and it's almost like they they used to be called A and R. Like you know, A and R would go out, and you would yeah. for major labels, and they would find the next big artist, and they would sign them. They would sign Avril Lavigne, who started out as a freaking country artist and was seen doing country. Yep. And somebody saw her and was like, "Hey, we're going to gear you to be Avril Lavigne, um, this rebellious youth." punk rock, whatever, and then yeah. made her into the stars. So that's like what the A&R does. You find the artists and cultivate them into doing it. Clive Davis always had his team of people that was able to find, you know, Whitney to, you know, I mean, you know, Clive Davis was Clive Davis and founded yeah. everybody. Um, but now it's almost like these influencers or even people like, you know, the gun show itself, like being able to break these artists via digital, via Spotify and getting these artists known where in the past you had to go through so many different layers. Now it's like, Boom, like somebody like Charlie or whoever, they are now these new A&Rs where if they are dancing to your song, you are guaranteed to get 100 million plays. Boom. Done. Right. Done. Which is cool, but from somebody who likes music yourself and myself, like love music, like it's taking away from an album and the actual artistic ability. And yeah. it was funny because I had somebody, one of the heads of Spotify on the gun show a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about this and I was like, what would you say? Because I know my friends are doing that that are in bands and I have friends that are, literally number one right now on Billboard Charts, like and I have up and coming bands. I know like I've interviewed Taylor Swift to Nick Jonas to Fall Out Boy to Guns N' Roses, like everybody across yeah. the spectrum. I just love music in general. Dan and Shea are my homies, all, all sorts of stuff. So What's happening now is it's the ADD generation, man. And so are you, you're at the gym. You, do you want that 30, 40 second buildup or do you want that immediate hit? If you're scrolling through a playlist right now, you want that immediate hit. Are you really going to wait 15 seconds for a song to, to capitulate or to, to hit off? Like the average kid these days, if you're going from like banger, 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 and then you have to kind of slowly build up, unless it immediately catches you, they're on to the next one. Yep. So it is, it's affecting the ability to write your songs. For sure. It's fucking wild, man. It's, it's, it's smarter than I can do. I'll tell you that much.
0: (laughs) That is, that is mind-blowing because when I'm going on to, let's say I use Apple music. So when I go on Apple music and I'm going through, Hey, I don't, I don't have any new songs. Let's go through, you know, whatever, whatever new playlist, you know, curated playlist that Apple Music's making. If in the first 15 to 30 seconds, I'm not like, Oh, this this is a pretty cool beat. Uh, You know, if I'm not into it, I'm like, ah, let's move on. Ah, this sounds like this other song I don't like. Let's move on. So it is interesting that that's that is you do it effectively, and I don't think that as a as a baseball player, like I don't think about that stuff. Right. But it's interesting, like I understand that makes sense that you would have to now write your songs in a way that it Keep can change your process. Well, look at this: "Stairway to Heaven" would never be
1: able to be a song right now no. because it's so freaking slow, and then finally hits. You it know I mean?
0: is the slowest song in the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then fi- but then it just goes jam, or like it, certain songs would never be able to be hits because sometimes the best part comes a minute into it, where you're yeah. just like. Oh yeah. Or Layla, like by Clapton, you know what I mean? Like completely like songs like that, that are classics could not be made today.
0: Not at all. So I have one other question for you. Yeah. And it is, is relevant to, I don't know if it's today, but it's relevant to this past week. Um, What is your take on the screw to Taylor Swift stuff? (laughs) I'm so, so when I first read about it, my first read about it, you know, like I'm a, I'm a business guy. I, you know, Green Rock and Saku the sushi restaurant that I own, uh, is not, it's not what I want to be the end for me. I, I don't, I'm, in, I'm managing this market. It's fun funds. I'm 29 years old, but I really like, I have bigger aspirations I'm always trying to do stuff. Right. So I, I, t- typically in these situations, I always lean at, to the business guy or business woman, wherever it is. I, I, if you own the rights, you own the rights, boom, sorry, you, you might be, you might be upset about it because you don't like the guy, but that's, that's business. Um, so I always lean towards Scooter Braun, but again, just like we just discovered with how you write music, I have not really a huge, great pulse on the music industry. So I'm curious your thoughts, because you've been in the game for how long now, what are your yeah. thoughts right now? The Scooter Braun Taylor Show stuff.
1: It's interesting, man. Listen, I like, lo- anytime I've met Scooter, interacted with Scooter, I've seen Scooter, et cetera. He's always been cool to me. He's a very good businessman. Obviously you look at his, uh, the artists that he has and just the Scooter Braun, um, uh, I wouldn't say empire cause it's not like it's like, you know, it's not like it's puffy. You know what I mean? Who no. had like had an yes. empire, but he's got a good, you know, he's into publishing, he's into his own management. He's got, he's got investments. He knows what he's doing. He's good. and yes. smart. Yes. Here's the bottom line. Taylor Swift signed a contract and it sucked. And she signed a contract like many other artists do, but it's a given a take these labels are going to invest in you. They want to have control over it because every once in a while you will sign a Kanye, you will sign a Taylor Swift. You will get this person that will be around for the next 10, 15, 20 years, Sheryl Crow, et cetera. So the contracts suck in the beginning and you don't really have that much leveraging. Now, a lot of like Taylor Swift, Swifties uh, supporters are like, yeah, well, she was 15. Like that was so mean what they did to her. <laughs> suck it up. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Shit sucks. Like that's why you get a good lawyer and th- you play, have to play the game. Now, did Scooter, screw, did Scooter screw Taylor? Did Taylor screw Taylor herself? Here's the thing. Um, Taylor and Scooter hate each other. So not only was it a business relationship, it became personal. And Scooter was like, well, F you. I, I, you you don't you talk shit about my artists, the people that I invest in. I'm going to go out of my way to, to <laughs> screw you. And that's essentially what he did. Now,
0: I respect I- that. You
1: know what I mean? Like there is there is a part of it where it's just like, like, was it right? No, but a lot of things and aren't morally right in business. Yeah. But whatever. Now is Taylor gonna be fine? Of course she's gonna be fine. Is Scooter Braun gonna be fine? Of course he is. Now what Taylor's doing is she is trying to redo all her old classic songs. And I listen Taylor's new stuff like. I'm not, even, I'm not a big Taylor Swift fan to begin with, but the old stuff are some jams, okay? Yes. So she rewrites those. She's now trying to get back at Scooter saying, all right, well, I'm going to rewrite these, add something new to them. So that way all people care about is the new stuff and that you won't win any money or gain any money in the past for my old stuff. It is a, definitely a battle that's going out because Taylor Swift fans are absolutely insane. And then people that don't like Taylor Swift are also insane and they just fight with each other. Yes. So it is funny. you got this big... Um, industry mogul out there going after Taylor Swift, who's supposed to be America's sweetheart, blah, blah, blah. And it's hilarious to see play out in public. It and is. I'm just and supposedly I'm just drinking, yeah, drinking yeah. and eating the popcorn, man. Love
0: that. And supposedly Scooter just sold the Masters or whatever it is.
1: Sold them for, for what he bought them with. Now, what's interesting about this is, is people are like, oh, he must be out of money. I don't think he's out of money at all. I think he just wanted the a little bit of the spotlight off of them or also in the fact that, Taylor does re-record these and everything goes right and it would take away from them. I think he did a smart move by getting rid of them. Now he didn't lose any money off of it. Plus the people that took it are still going to pay him a fraction from it. So he's still making, he's still going to get a percentage from it. Even though he doesn't own them. So yeah, if these new songs that she's going to record replace the old ones, he would have lost money. So he's like, well, fuck this. Let me do it this way. And I'll still get the percentages from it in case these new songs never come out by Taylor. So it's, it's straight up smart business, man. It's smart,
0: but it, it is, it is what it is. At the end of the day, it's smart. And this is what I go back to though. You know, let's say the, from the basic stuff of where I'm, I'm, you know, you to argue with the landlord about certain things, stuff like that. Build relationships. You don't ever burn bridges. And I think, to, and I don't know what the beef is, where it started. Maybe Taylor was talking shit about Justin Bieber or some shit, right? I don't know where it started, but this stuff, when you do things like that, this type of shit can come back to bite you in the ass. And Scooter Braun made it come back to bite her in the ass. I don't know if Scooter would ever went after her if she didn't do whatever she did to begin with. So she, she signed bad deals in the beginning. Listen, I signed a bad deal. My, you know, I signed for a million dollars out of college, but my slot in baseball was one35 I didn't know any better. I was a 21-year-old kid. My parents had never gone through us. They didn't know any better. So we listened to our advisor at the time. And then later on, I signed with Scott Boris, best agent in all of sports history. And he tells me, no, Boston is known to pay, to like, whatever you, they wanted you. So what you asked for they were going to pay you. Okay. And it was just like, but see, Scott Boris, amazing. This guy wasn't so amazing, but I didn't know any better. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't, nice. could I have an extra $350,000 in the bank? Yeah, great. But like part of business, right? Part of business. So when she screwed up as a, as a kid, that's you're going to expect that from young people going up against major record labels. They're probably going to be better at you than this. <laughs> yeah. so, you, you know, so you just, you bite that bullet and then you don't burn bridges along the way. You keep your mouth shut. You do the Derek cheater where you just, you, you do, you know, I say the politically correct things. I do what I need to do and I do what I behind closed doors, whatever I need to do. Yeah. And she didn't do that. She gonna you know, come back to bite her in the ass. And I love Scooter Run. I listen to him on the, he went on Gary Vaynerchuk's um, –
1: Of course, yeah, Gary Vaynerchuk. He yeah,
0: yeah, yep. went on Gary's podcast, and I listened to him. He's a really smart guy, knows what he's doing. Like I like scooters, so it, it seems to me that Taylor's got to suck this one up. Yeah. <laughs> I bet she
1: refuses, and she's bringing it out in the public right now, and she also knows she has legions of fans. So, like I said, Legia, Of course. I don't have any, you know, anything in the game for from those two, but it is going to be fun. Especially, I just hope it continues just to be a uh, just a mess,
0: and it just Which it more than likely will. Well, he just told the mess. maybe it won't be anymore. But it, it in, normally in these situations, I hope he just comes out and go, I just said something about Taylor, and then they just get into a fight. Just like fuck off, Taylor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go fuck yourself. Oh, yeah. Press release from Scooter Braun: Fuck off, Taylor Swift, and that, that's the end of the quote. Yeah. But listen, man, I appreciate you coming on, man. This was awesome. This was, we've been trying to do this for a long time. We even talked about it over tequila shots at Green Rock one day. And uh, you have to come back. You got to bring it Where the
1: best decisions are made through tequila shots.
0: Only (laughs) the best decisions are made via tequila. I think (laughs) I did one tequila with you. I think Jameson the rest of the way.
1: We're definitely going to – yeah, I can't – I've destroyed my inner body, as you can match shots. Certain sh- I've gotten to that point, and people are like, oh, you're old. It's like, no, dude, I've destroyed my body drinking. Yes. So I can't – certain shots don't do well with me. But I'll never be the person that won't do a shot. I'll just do a shot of what I want to do. So I figure, like, that's a good – you know what I mean? Like, oh, you're the pussy. You won't drink. No, I'll drink. Just let me drink what I want to drink, and I'll still get drunk with you. But I just don't want to be in pain or projectile vomit. You know,
0: (laughs) because my body hates me. Most people try to avoid projectile vomiting, from what I understand. Not in Grid Rock, though. It does happen a lot. Happens all the time. Listen,
1: we got the gun show. We're gonna have you on my show as well, dude. We're looking forward to that. Like you said, man. I interview Dan and Shay to you know all these people, et cetera. But also, I do the sports. We've had Aaron Boone on. I've had Big Poppy on. I've had you know uh, Coach Calipari on. I've had a bunch. Mike Tyson's been on. And I go, "What's up, buddy?" I called I called Mike Tyson buddy and he's like, What's up, buddy? Like it's, like it's like, Are you fucking kidding me? You just call me your your buddy? And yeah, it was wild. Well very listen, good if interview. You, if
0: you put it on your Twitter, Mike Tyson, Aaron Boone, and Coach Calipari, Perry, and then Pat Light, Pat which Light. name doesn't belong? I mean they might pick me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know though until we have you on. So we'll we gotta do it, I my know. man. Dude, so. I appreciate I appreciate this, man. It was a lot of fun. Um oh. I can't wait to come on the gun show. Please go check him out, the gun show. You don't need uh You don't need my approval, but I'm sure you're a much bigger show than I I have. But I appreciate you coming on. I can't wait to do your show, man. And until next time, I'll see you later. Let's go, Yankees. No, fuck that. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Sorry We're Closed podcast. Go subscribe to our email chain over at thepatlight.com and follow us on all social media. Until next time, guys, I'll see you at the bar. It's all right. We're closed.